Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. So this week, we're catching up on more than one week of our lives. And so it's a little bit longer than usual. I kind of talk a lot about the past two, three weeks of me on medical leave, grappling with the struggles of even taking time off, which is crazy because it's a struggle to work. It's a struggle to not work either. (laughs) Yeah. And James shares a little bit about his recent writing around finding purpose, finding meaning, how to create little bits of meaning and purpose to go after in 90 day sprints. So enjoy the episode. All right, everyone, welcome to episode number 25. This is James and I'm with Sean. We're both back at home. So it's good. Yeah. But just a heads up, we're both sick. (laughs) I don't know how well I caught a cold when I was in Michigan, and in New York. And Sean got a cold from his son Miles. Yeah, from his school. Yeah, which is typically where you get all your sicknesses from if you have kids. <laughs> yep. And it's where your immune system is kept up to date. <laughs> yep. I can't believe it. Episode 25. This is like 24 is six months. Mm-hmm. We've had some breaks because of travel and whatnots, but still, but do this for over half a year. <laughs> is that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. And it's funny because we, I think mean, we always talk about how each episode just seems like a lot. It's nice. It's actually nice to think how each episode means a lot to us. This is something that we get to do. Like we both enjoy doing it. Yep. I agree. It's been fun so far. Let's start on that, actually. It's so funny you say that because I've been on medical leave for the past two, three weeks now, mm-hmm. which has been, like I shared before, it's a really jarring experience <laughs> to just not work. I think I'm finally getting used to it now, getting to this rhythm of life. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is nice. This is relaxing. This is what I should be doing when I'm relaxing, when I have days off, right? And this is the kind of feeling that I should have, not a persistent anxiety. But to your point, as I was kind of reflecting on the past couple of weeks, and then even the past two years since the pandemic started, and I kind of got into this rhythm of becoming this at-home workaholic, I needed to evaluate what are some things that bring me joy. Hmm. Not to be cheesy Marie Kondo, but what is bringing me joy into what you just said? What are the things that I get to do? Not that I have to do. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this in the context of like, what are some things I need to cut, actually? Because obviously, everybody knew this except for me. It's like I was doing way too much. And it was a result of me going into the pandemic, having you know just graduated business school at that time, not knowing what to do next. So I kind of just picked up whatever was in the works. And so I ended up starting Clever FM, Mentors FM, the production company, becoming chapter president of the alumni chapter down here, still continue to host the One Haas podcast, which is kind of a duty of itself, being a host, and then being a dad, right? And being a family guy. And on top of that, keeping my own sanity, like working out, staying healthy, right? Keeping up with my hobbies and whatnots. I realized all these things I could juggle two and a half years ago because everything was still in its infancy. 
a lot of things were stolen, including miles. <laughs> like <laughs> baby was in infancy. The two business were, were in their early stages. But as they grew, as my responsibilities grew on all fronts, I'd failed to recognize or reevaluate like, all right, what are some things I really need to put aside? The business stuff was easy because it was like Ventures FM. I was like, well, we're fundraising for Clever. Like this is a full on project. Ventures is kind of, I designed it to be self-sufficient, self-running anyways. And my mm -hmm. brother's helping run that business and it's growing really well. I spend maybe like two to four hours a month on it, like an hour a week. I was able to say like, all right, I, I can cut that, right? Because between Clever and Ventures, like I want to focus on Clever. And I had made that decision. But between Clever and being a dad, <laughs> right? Being a chapter president or hosting the One Haas podcast, some of those other things, they just, I kept them amorphous and or just unrecognized. And then I think everything's just festering mm -hmm. and ballooning. And to the point where, Hey, Clever was just taking up way too much of my time and my life. And I had not reevaluated like chapter presidency things and then and roles and things like that. So I think that's, if anything, that's like the next thing I need to cut, even though there's no one else to pass the presidency to. But for my own sanity and health, like I need to say no to more things. But coming back to this podcast, I was like, this is not something I have to do. This is something I get to do. I really enjoy doing this. And luckily for us, it's like an hour a week. Right. The big part, when I was looking into doing your own podcast, the hard part is actually the editing. Yeah. Well, not only, well, one, like creating the content, but also then editing the content and then being able to actually go through the production and producing it. But luckily, yeah, you already have a great team that does that. So that's right. Yes, we do. Thank you, Clever Team. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the Ventures Team that does it. Oh, sorry. Thank you, Venture Team. <laughs> And I think part of the reason I was so excited about this podcast, the idea of this podcast, when we were initially talking about it was, oh my gosh, we're never going to have to think about the content. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Like every single week, we're going to be fucking struggling through something. Yeah. And we're going to have some fodder to, to put on the podcast. So that's part of the reason too, is like, we don't have to do much research or prep for this. So it's kind of nice. And I also thought it's a great way to, you know, for any of our friends listening, it's a way to keep them updated on what's going on in our lives especially in today's world where we're so disconnected in many ways. I just think it's a cool way to communicate. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know how many of my friends will listen to this and actually comment. I do have a couple, so it's been nice. Yeah. They'll be like, hey, how come you're not recording this week? I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks for listening. I'm out of town. That's <laughs> awesome. Coming back to the conversation, a couple of things I've been struggling with the past two weeks that I mentioned were around just refining purpose. And it came up because I was talking to a friend and I was asking for a recommendation for a therapist. And she was recommending this person and she'd been with him for a while. And we're just kind of chatting casually. And she was like, well, one of the things he's definitely going to ask you is like, what's your purpose? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Post-grad school, two years ago now, well, exactly two years, almost to the day of me finishing grad school, graduating. It's just crazy to think about that two years has passed since I graduated. It felt like yesterday. I have not taken time or been intentional about reevaluating like what's kind of the next step for me, Yeah, both in my career and my life. And I think that's really the general malaise that I feel is that I don't know what my purpose is right now. Yeah. I think it's a lot of living accidentally Yeah, when I go through this. At an early age, it's very easy to know what your purpose is. 
go to school, get good grades, graduate, get a job, yeah, get a relationship, get more money, get promoted, go to grad school. <laughs> yeah, go to grad school. But after you go through that and you realize, oh, what's next? Yeah. And that's when the question starts to happen. And you're like, all this time, I've just been kind of living on accident, moving step by step because someone else gave me these instructions. Yeah. And then you started walking. And now you're wondering, what am I walking towards? I know you just mentioned that before our call that you were writing about this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny that you brought it up today because I think one of the hard things about trying to find purpose is that it becomes a very existential question. Yeah. It becomes a very grand purpose. What is my ultimate vision for my life? What is the purpose of my life? And if you start to think in a really kind of high level, like meta, like towards the end of life, like what am I going to be known for? That kind of stuff, it becomes really heavy. And it becomes really difficult. It keeps you frozen in fear of deciding what to do because you're thinking, this is the rest of my life. Oh, this is the path towards the rest of my life. But I actually think that it begins with scratching a small itch. It's the small things that you want to do that brings joy. And from there, it builds to something larger. Hmm. And the reason why I was thinking of this is because yesterday I was watching um, a show on Netflix called Love, Death, and Robots. Have you seen that? Mm -mm. It's like an animated, short animated series. Anyways, there's one episode in particular called Zima Blue. And just a spoiler, if anyone wants to watch it, <laughs> don't listen for now, but... <laughs> Skip ahead five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much it's an artist who's searching for the meaning of life. Mm. And so he's been drawing, right? He draws paintings. And then eventually his paintings get larger and larger, gets to a point where then he draws a tiny blue square on his murals and then the blue squares become larger and eventually it takes over everything that he does but then he realizes that he and this is a spoiler part he realizes that he was once a tiny pool cleaning machine and the first thing that he ever saw was this color zima blue and for his entire life now he was in pursuit of doing a small thing cleaning a pool to have a small tile look like the color Zima blue. And that's what he reverts back to of like looking for purpose all his life. He was looking for the biggest thing to do to solve like this huge itch that he had. And it realized the simple thing was just cleaning a pool. And he wanted to extract pleasure from that small task done. And so my takeaway from this is a lot of times we all look for a purpose because we want it to be such a big part of our lives. But really, it begins with a tiny thing, a tiny task that you can repeatedly do, and then it becomes your purpose. And eventually, like the show goes on to kind of explain that your purpose then becomes driven for social things or for money or whatever, right? And then it becomes lost. You become lost in everything that you're doing. Yeah. And then you start looking again, like, what is my purpose? For you, Sean, like, you've done so much and you're doing all these things that led up to going to grad school, like starting companies, doing businesses. But maybe something that could help is to look for the small thing, the small tasks that you like to do that bring pleasure. And I think for you, a lot of things that you tell me about are like helping other people. Yes. Helping other people succeed. 
being like a platform where people can jump off of to go to their next endeavors. Yeah. And so I think that's a tiny thing that really motivated you to help people go on with their kind of day-to-day lives and achieving something. And while you were going through the hustle of that, and it got bigger and bigger, and now it became so big that you're kind of reverting back to looking for this tiny thing again. Yeah, that's so good. That's so true. That is so true. I mean, I, you're absolutely right. Like we get distracted by all these other things. And, and literally I, I was like thinking about this for the past two weeks. I was like, more money has not brought me any more joy or help. You know, it's like James noticed, I just like bought a set of really expensive golf clubs <laughs> and it's like, it didn't bring me any more joy. What I think I'm seeking in it is like connecting with people again. The social aspect. The social aspect of it. Yeah. The community. Yeah. What I was trying to really try to figure out is like, what is bringing me joy? Because during the pandemic, there were a lot of things that I couldn't do for a multitude of reasons, right? That a lot of people couldn't do for a multitude of reasons, for safety reasons or whatnot, or even just psychological reasons or living with my in-laws and my wife and the kid. It's like, there's other reasons why it's like, you just can't do those things. And coming out of it, I think I just carried a lot of that baggage with me. What do I mean by that? Like, if there's like a social event or something, it would be so easy for me just to cop out and just be like, ah, nah, I probably shouldn't go because it's probably not safe or like, oh, like I should probably spend more time with Miles. But I, I didn't realize I had these, not biases, but I conditioned myself in this way to almost be antisocial. And then I was mm. putting the blame on other people. I was putting the blame on, say, like Mink or her parents and saying like, oh, it's because I live in this house surrounded by you guys that like, and I'm trying to keep you guys safe. That's like, I'm not going out and like doing the things I would enjoy doing in a social setting. And Mink was like, okay, I didn't say that, but she was just like, what's stopping you? Like, she's like, just go do it. If you want to go do something, we'll go play golf with your friends, go play golf, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, nobody's stopping me. Like, sure, during the pandemic, there were, reasons right and debates and whatnots but now it's like plus it's golf you're outdoors it's relatively safe but I, I started finding myself coming up with these excuses for why i wasn't doing something that i wanted to do hmm. it sounds like you gave yourself constraints to keep you within a comfort zone that you didn't want to be in yeah you know what that comfort zone was sitting at this fucking desk and just and working grinding trying to do work and not even being effective that's the other thing what do I mean by that? I tackle a lot of things on my to-do list, but I more and more as I become more and more ineffective because I'm not taking care of myself physically and mental health-wise, I notice I'm becoming less and less effective. I'm working longer than ever, but I'm just doing a lot of meaningless tasks. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that also don't give me any sense of accomplishment or achievement. And that's something else that I was, I'm still trying to figure out too. Because I mean, being a founder, being a startup CEO, like you do have to wear a lot of hats. And in the beginning, I was kind of just bitching about this in my head. Two weeks ago, I was like, man, you know what really sucks? And this is my perspective. It's probably inaccurate. But I was like comparing myself to Servi, right? To our CTO. I was like, what's great is like, yes, he has to wear a lot of hats. But for the most part, his hat is pretty defined. He wakes up, he's like, the CTO. I got engineering stuff to figure out. And maybe I'm like oversimplifying that for sure. But from my perspective, I was like, I wake up like, shit, what hat do I put on today? Do I put on the sales hat? Do I put on the marketing hat? Do I put on the operations hat? Do I put on the finance hat? Do I put on like, and these mm. are completely different roles, right? And what I failed to realize is that 90% of these hats, let's say 80-20 rule, like 80% of these hats are not important right now. Just don't fucking wear them. 
Like, where are the, the two hats that are actually important? And yeah, it's, I, I still don't know. I'm still working through the struggle of trying to figure out once I do start work again, ideally next week, what do I do? Mm. How do I work? It's something I think I'm going to talk more about later on as I figure this stuff out. But going from like being this non-directional, unfocused workaholic to not working for three weeks mm -hmm. to then hopefully figuring out like how to be a better worker <laughs> yeah, is going to be my new struggle. It sounds stressful. <laughs> James, it's so <laughs> funny you say that because I remember like the first week when I recognized this having my week off in Maui, I was like, all right, I know what I need to change, but what do I change it into? Yeah. And I think a lot of the stress came from this idea too of what other people would think of me, mm -hmm. how other people think I should be working, especially my co-founder. But it was all in my own head. Frankly, like going back to what you said, like maybe similarly to finding something small in your search for purpose or meaning, which reminds me, I kind of want to reread Man's search for meaning again. It's come up a couple of times in my interviews actually the past month. Maybe similar to that, starting something small, maybe I just chip away at, at getting back into the rhythm of work. Yeah. Not starting just like full on again. And the friend told me this, and this is not the first time I've heard this either. She was like, one of her friend's husband was a CEO. He literally writes on 10 things every day and just he just does the first three. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let me try that today. <laughs> it goes back to one of the first lessons we talked about when you're defining priority, if people have multiple priorities, that is not a priority. Yeah. It's not the most important thing. I think the hard part about assigning like priority and urgency and things to work, especially in terms of in a startup wearing multiple hats when a million things needs to get done, it's really hard to define what that most important thing is that moves yeah. that imaginary needle or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And even that starting small, those are all things that you could totally apply. And then the question becomes, if I start too small, is this doing anything? And what's the point? Mm. Maybe there's a time where you kind of go through that exercise of writing down the 10 things or 20 things or 30 things that you think has to get done. And then looking at that list. And because a lot of times when you have that list, there's things that kind of jump out to you. Like, oh, whoa, this one really needs to get done. For me, then the question is like looking at the list and wondering which of these things, if I didn't do today, wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. And then if all of them is not a problem, then it's like, okay, then I have a problem because now nothing on my list is important enough that I have to take care of today. Yeah. I mean, maybe that could be one way to start to narrow down what is the most important thing and not really specifically thinking about, oh, is it ops today or is it finance today or is it sales? It's just doing a free thought 10 minute exercise of running down every single item that you can possibly think of that you could or should or whatever take care of today. Yeah. And then think what can be pushed off till tomorrow. And I bet like 80 or maybe even majority of them could be pushed away. And then you have one, you're like, Oh, this is the one most important thing. I think the other thing as you're talking this through, like I was struggling with, I still struggle with is balance it then with the priorities at home, priorities of being a dad or priorities of being a part of this family. There's obviously things that I get to do with Miles and I enjoy doing. And then there are times where like, I feel like 
I need to like step in and help the family. Let's say like somebody gets sick. Let's say Mink gets sick or her parents get sick, right? Let's like, well, somebody has to take care of Miles and do I drop my work and take care of him for like half a day or a day? And the reality is like, yes, of course you should. Mm -hmm. You should prioritize your family <laughs> over anything else. And especially being the CEO of the company, like I can allocate my time and adjust things, right? But also at the same time, because I can adjust things, that's where like it creates a lot of guilt. Yeah. It's like you have that privilege. You recognize you have that privilege. You don't want to abuse it. And I think that's where like, again, I, I need to talk to a therapist or a coach about this because this is where I don't have any clarity on this. This is one of the things, one of many things that got me to where I am in the first place is that part of the reason I became a workaholic is because I felt like as a CEO, I need to set the example, which is be hardworking, be diligent, mm -hmm. think ahead, like push yourself to grow and all these things. But at the same time, like part of our culture is like mental health and being healthy, like taking care of yourself. It's like, yeah. I am the last fucking person doing that, <laughs> you know, like, but we uh, implemented for like for ventures, we implemented a, um, a wellness plan for everybody where like we pay for a personal coach, wow. a dietitian and a coach twice a week. I think it's twice, at least twice or three times a week for every team member. What? That's incredible. In the Philippines. Yeah. Are you using it? You're probably not using it. <laughs> no. I do have a personal trainer though. Like I actually started training again. That's the other thing. I did get back in the gym again. And part of the excuse that I couldn't go to the gym before was my trainer only trained Monday through Friday. And it was just impossible trying to fit him in, not because I couldn't move my, my calendar around, but after a couple of weeks or months of blocking him out, I felt guilty. I was like, I should be working. I should not be working midway through the day. And I can't work out first in the morning because miles. Either way, long story short, my trainer left and then this new trainer, she works on Saturdays. And I was like, whoa, fucking mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is fantastic. I'm just going to book you for every fucking Saturday. Even if that's the one time that I go to the gym that week, like, fuck it. It's better than nothing. That's awesome. And then I'll supplement the other times with like, you know, climbing or golfing or cycling or whatever, 16 different fucking coffees I picked up yeah. during the pandemic, <laughs> swimming. Yeah. So yeah, that's something that I, again, I'm still struggling to figure out how do I balance being a leader and projecting like, hey, I'm not fucking lazy. I'm not like negligent all these things that I tell myself. Yeah, I don't know. But Sean, just because you take a session during a week, that doesn't mean that you're not a leader. As long as when you're at work, you're at work, right? And you're doing the things that are necessary. I know, James, but, but here's the thing. I think this is where things ran into trouble for me internally uh -huh. was because I think I didn't prioritize properly or the roles or the tasks themselves are not prioritized properly. It was unending. So any time that I wasn't working and things weren't getting done or that we're trying to measure at the end of the week, then it was like, why? Like, why don't you have time to do this, Sean? Well, you fucking went to the gym three times this week, you know? Mm. And it's like without recognizing like, no, absolutely not. Like, this is part of your maintenance, your like well-being, your effectiveness. Yeah. And they would creep. They would start creeping. I was like, all right, fuck the gym time. Take that off, right? Then I started missing lunch and dinner times right? consistently. Like even though it's blocked out on my calendar, it's like it's lunchtime, dinner time. And I started missing like miles, like putting miles to bedtime. And it was just a shit show, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things that I feel like the hard part is that you can't see, there's no clear indicator that going to the gym three times a week 
means that you're mentally stable longer, right? There's no like no dashboard, right? I think that's the hard part. Yeah, you and I, I, I feel like we're very analytical at times. And <laughs> yeah, this is contributing to my productivity this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you don't see that. You only see productivity outcome by how many tasks you completed, not if one of the tasks is mental health day. That's the difficult part. Or the KPIs. Maybe that's what it is. Like, but then there, it would just feel so feel weird. Weird, right? It's like, all right, one of our weekly KPIs yeah. for the company is that Sean went to the gym three times. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it, it's so personal. Maybe it's a company KPI. Yeah. Like how often the company goes to the gym compared to how efficient or how many sales or like whatever and it's like tied to the kpi number that way yeah <laughs> how many like social events you went to this week that's actually an interesting idea i don't think i've ever read about or heard anything about this this is the challenge that i realized too like with our the workout program or the wellness program that we offered it was both like a actually physical health and then there was like once a month i think a mental wellness thing like a meditation session or whatnot what I realized the challenge there is like everybody's at a different level. So somebody who's more historically active can do three times a week, right? But then you can't put that same KPI to someone who hasn't worked on like three years because it takes some time to build up that muscle, that mental muscle to like... Oh, to go exercise. Yeah, because also for someone, you know, who's potentially overweight, there are different factors. When you work out and you're breaking down fat, it stores a lot of toxins, right? There's a lot of like... It just doesn't make you feel good versus someone who's like leaner because fats store a lot of bad stuff, basically. I remember reading something about this. That's why it's like actually harder for people who have more fat stored mm -hmm. to lose weights and to like exercise, not because they're lazy, but because their body, as they're breaking down the fat, releases so much toxin that their body actually takes a little bit longer to recover and to kind of expel all those toxins. Oh, I didn't know that. There's like a lot of reasons behind it. It's not just like, oh, they're lazy. There's actually physiological challenges. Or it's just harder. Yeah, to overcome. And it takes a lot of awareness to recognize that too. Because then if you don't, even if you don't have awareness, then you start shaming yourself. You start guilt tripping yourself, which does not perpetuate a healthy cycle, right? To get you back in the gym. That's actually really interesting to think about. What are some things that I'm guilt tripping or shaming myself about as a workaholic from a mental health standpoint? But again, this is these are all things that I'm we're just kind of talking about. I'm just kind of like word vomiting. Yeah. I'm hoping like working with a therapist, there's a little bit more structure to me working through this and might be very open to sharing in our weekly chats what comes about from those conversations. So that'll be something looking forward to myself just to record and document. Yeah. Listen back and figure out, wow, this is where I was then. This is where I am now. I think that's also a hard part about mental health. There's no way to record it. There's no way to measure your improvements. That's why I really liked your idea initially when we started this whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> about voice recordings. It's funny because I, I wrote down as a to-do, reflect on the past two years during the pandemic and during the start of these two businesses, becoming a dad and, and all this jazz. And, and I don't know how to start that. Like when I do have some thoughts that I want to write down, I mean, either in the shower or it's like, I'm going to bed. I'm like, I promise myself and I'm going to whip out my phone, right? When I'm in bed. And then by the morning, I forget it. I'm like, I had a, such an epiphany these past two years and fuck, I forgot it. Yeah. I haven't worked on that app in so long. So maybe it's something I need to do again. 
maybe just think about in the context of the show, like how can we leverage in the future voice recording, right? With your kind of sentiment analysis plus AI analysis, because most likely if I were to record to myself, it's most likely still going to be a 30, 40 minute like monologue of me just like blabbering and like, I'm never going to fucking go back and listen to that. Yeah, you never do. Or like dissect it. But if you could have AI dissect it, it'd be interesting to at least recognize patterns and trends and then see, oh, you know what? I went through this phase and this period and lasted about a week, like 14 months ago. And, and then I might be able to see this is what I did. And this is kind of how I got out of it. And this is what happened the week before that put me into this little valley. Yeah. That was the reason why I started working behind it all. I think it would be really helpful. Yeah. Therapist.fm. Psychology. <laughs> Time to buy some domains, James. Yeah. <laughs> that aside, enough about me. I'll give everybody else more updates, you know, as I, I have a, my first therapy session on Friday, tomorrow. Anything you want to share about your past two weeks, James? I was in Michigan and New York last couple of weeks. And I was in Hawaii. Yeah. And it's just interesting how we started talking about purpose because that's purpose was one of the things I was thinking about. The last couple of weeks I was in Michigan and New York and I still wrote every day. It was really hard, actually. Even though it was only a three-hour time difference, man, when you're just older, that time change is just harder. I don't know why. It's just really hard. But yeah, so I, I still was able to write, which is good. But one of the things that I wrote that I really liked was this idea of when thinking about purpose or looking for something to do, it's more based on you can't think like very, very long-term. It's too hard because once you start to think years down the line, it's very difficult to imagine what you're going to do there and also allows you to procrastinate because you have years to accomplish this. And so one short thing that I did was it's like, all right, if I only have 90 days until I have to go get a job and work like a normal nine to five job, what would I do? And that got me thinking in a very different place in a different, very, very different space too. All of a sudden, there was a sense of urgency being like, wow, like I only have three months to do this. Three months to do whatever it is that I wanted to do, this itch that I wanted to scratch before I go back to like a nine to five job. Yeah. And I think that's also something that you could apply to whatever it is that you're doing now. So you have a job, you're at work. What's something you want to do in 90 days? What if you were going to a different job or you're going to be let go or you're going to quit or like something, something to kind of mentally put yourself in a place where you have a, a strict timeline. And I think once you have urgency to it, like the idea of questioning your purpose, questioning what it is you're meant to do completely goes away and it becomes more, what can I do right now? What do I have to do right now to get one step closer to what I want to do for the next three months? Yeah. Then as you kind of get into that and you start to tackle things one off at a time, that is your purpose. And you just defined it yourself without even really thinking or like trying to ask the question of what is purpose. So I think for me, the big thing that I've been trying to do over the last few months has been like, what the hell am I going to do? What am I doing next? But asking that question isn't enough. It's actually too much to ask that question. It's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the question then became like, what am I going to do for the next quarter? What am I going to be doing end of August? Yeah. 
what do I want to do in this summer? What do I want to take care of? And that question just really helps me rethink what I actually want to do. And I'm not thinking years down the line now. For a lot of people who might be struggling with looking for purpose or looking for what to do next, if you're like stuck at a job or you're looking to get a job or you're at a job and you're like pretty comfortable, but you're still unsatisfied with your day to day, or you're still just kind of looking like there's got to be a little bit more. Yeah. Start to ask yourself the question like, okay, what do I want a little bit more of in the next 30 days? What can I do? And I think that shortened timeline just really puts you into a different mental place to go into action, to put yourself into movement. Like, okay, I get to do this now. Almost like I have to do this. And it's just an urgency that kind of gets you going. And then how do you cope with like, is that enough? Or is that going to fulfill me? Because take Clever, for example, like we have a 90-day plan. I don't know if it's just me and I'm jaded or I'm just like not in the right mindset. It's like, I'm not really that excited about it. Not because the 90-day plan is exciting, but it feels routine now. Oh, you know what? Maybe part of the reasons, let's say Clever, for example, maybe part of the reasons because that 90-day plan is kind of in alignment or expectation of what we were planning before. So it's like, it's nothing new, basically. Huh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think... Do you know what I'm saying though? Yeah, yeah. Like I can set this goal like, hey, in the next 90 days, I'm gonna take like eight golf lessons and like play with James twice. <laughs> it's like, is that going to satisfy me or fulfill me? Or maybe that's not even the right question. It shouldn't be. So I'm thinking like, if that is what we should accomplish in the next 90 days, yeah, that feeling of being satisfied with that, like the reason why we're not satisfied with just being able to play golf twice over the next month is because we're attaching productivity to it. We're attaching like the greater purpose of something more. Just playing golf isn't enough. Mm. But if all of a sudden the next month, that's all that you and I wanted to do, like that's it, right? Yeah. Playing twice, we'd be immensely satisfied because that is enough now for that moment. Yeah. What I'm saying for clever, I think then the question is, and anyone that's at work for the next 90 days, I'm saying like, after 90 days, that's it. That's all the time that you have to get this thing done. And if you can push yourself, get into a place where you're, that's what you're going to do for the next 90 days, like that is your purpose. And if you don't get there, and maybe that's the hard part about clever is because this was the goal 90 days ago. And you didn't hit the goal then. So you're just going to push it the next 90 days to get there now. But in your mind, you've already missed it. Yeah. You missed it once before. So it's not a bad thing to miss it again. But man, Sean, if in 90 days, Clever is going to close and you only have 90 days left to make it survive, what is it that Clever has to do? And what is it that you have to do each day to get to that point? I think that is a very fundamentally different question. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, everything that you do for Clever, the purpose is whatever it is in 90 days. Forget everything else. Forget operations. Forget like finance management, product, whatever. Whatever that decision is. And that that's what I'm thinking about for myself. And the reason why I'm putting like a, almost like a dead end to this 90-day thing is for me, very personally, I'm like very financially constrained right now. And I'm at a point where if I don't make money, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so like when I put that constraint on myself, 
all of a sudden, everything that I was thinking about is very different. It's like, okay, I have to get a job where I have to work and have an income so I can pay for food. And I, I feel like I can get a job, but <laughs> what is the one thing that I want to do before that happens? Yeah. When I started thinking like that, I'm like, whoa. Like it almost made me feel like my life is over in 90 days. Not to say that working is bad, right? But I'm just saying that's the mental push I think a lot of people have to decide when thinking about this like 90-day thing or 30-day thing or 60-day thing, right? You have to get yourself into a place where this is it. I'm dead afterwards. So what am I going to do right now? Yeah. And for me, whenever I think about that, like one of the things that came up was I'm somehow going to make money writing. And then when I started thinking like that, all of a sudden, writing was like the most important thing. And even this call, you know, we took it at, at one, but I told you like, I can't do it before that because I have to write. Yeah. And even though I make no money from that writing now, it became this very, there's just something different about it where I'm like, I got to do this. I have to do this. Yeah. And so for a purpose, thinking way down the line, for me, I'm like, what's my purpose? Oh, I'm going to write. I'm just going to write. And I think that's my purpose for like the rest of my life. I'm, I'm going to be some author, blah, 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 like, and write a book like three years later, five years later. But it was so far, it didn't feel real. It almost felt like it's okay to kick the can down the road and just not worry about it and just like kind of fuck around. But then when, I, when I'm like, wait, if I have to do something in 90 days, what is it that I'm going to do? And it became, oh, okay, I want to try to make a, a living by writing and helping people with my writing and reach as many people as possible. And it became very different. I'm going to post on Twitter every single day. And there's like a lot more fire and intensity in the things that I do now. And I think that's the hard thing about trying to apply that to work, especially with KPIs, because if you miss a KPI, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But thinking and like switching this mindset of if we miss it, the company closes. If we miss this, I'm fired. If we miss this, I'm going to go to a different, like move on to something else. Like this is it. If this is the end and I only have this one window to do this, what the hell am I going to do? I think that just changes what you're not thinking about purpose anymore. You're just thinking of like, I don't want to say survival in a way, but yeah. I think there's just like this innate urgency that comes. The example that I used about urgency was I'm not talking about urgency where you're like, if you're holding in your, you have to use the restroom, you like, you're kind of like dancing around doing like the awkward dance. I'm not talking about that kind of urgency. I'm talking about the urgency where you're kicking past kids, pushing them out of the way and knocking them down like fucking bowling ball pins to get to the bathroom first. Yeah. Like that kind of urgency. And I think that's very different where before you're dancing, you're kind of mobile and you're like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? But now it's like, I got to fucking go and I'm going. That just really helped me change my approach with even the way that I write and even the way that I think about finding the next job. I'm like, if this is the job that I'm going to go after and I really, really want to go after this, what kind of job do I want? What do I want to do? And it just helped me really reframe everything the way that I was thinking about. It's fantastic. By the way, we don't advocate kicking kids down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that. Just an example. Jokes aside, like... No, I think that's that's really good. I think what's important to follow up on that too is like we make sure we check in 90 days at the end of 90 days. So when would that be? We'll check in in the episode, let's say. So May, June, July. 
end of July. July, end of July, right? And say like, hey, what happened? How did it go? And then like, end. Like that's mm-hmm. the end of those 90 days. Like we either celebrate or we, well, we should celebrate either way, but yeah, or do something to like signify an end and then do the same thing for the next cycle. And I think that's important too, because I think that's a challenge for me. And I think that's a similar challenge for you, right? When, when we have this level of autonomy, you have this issue of the lack of parameters. And we were talking about constraints earlier, but it's like, sure, it's bad when you create too many constraints, but it's also terrible when you have no constraints, right? Right, right. And that's something that I really struggled with with my work was that like, unlike Serby's work with like development, there is a beginning and an end, right? Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to make this new push for this new app version and add these new features. Doesn't matter actually if all these features make it or not, but it's going to be this version that's going to get pushed out and that's that. That's going to get tested and pushed out but there's an end to that, right? We're just like, all right, we did it. Right. You're done. Released 4.8. And then sure, the next thing starts, but these sprints have a beginning and an end, whereas a lot of it has to do with my lack of creating boundaries or creating sprints properly. I didn't have a beginning and end. It was like, all right, get 20 new customers this week. I was like, all right, got 20. All right, now get 40 next week, right? Yeah. 40. And it's like, I don't know what it was that I didn't do properly, but it just felt like that there was no beginning and end to anything. Yeah. It's like a never ending sales cycle. Yeah. And I think what's important, I think part of the reason for that was because there was no proper weekend, like evaluation or like debrief of like what happened and then celebrating and saying like, hooray, we did it. Like we got 20 customers, you know? Maybe also part of it is needing the feedback. Like you, you talked about feedback a lot. And maybe the what was important there is feedback on the customers. How are they doing? Mm. Should you change the approach of what type of customers to go after? So instead of saying, okay, you got 20 this week, now go for 40 next week. It's more, oh, we got 20 customers this week, but they were this type of people. And it didn't really, the value of a customer didn't really work out there. So this week, get 20 people, but here's the constraint. And then, I don't know, maybe that way it makes it more like a game and it changes the approach of how to talk to people. By the way, it's so easy to just kind of see from here about other people's experiences or even like talking about your experiences too, like taking that back to, you know, what you were saying about writing, getting paid to do writing, like also making sure, like not making sure, but having like a feedback loop too, to say like, oh, Mm -hmm. what's working about your writing, what's not. And what is paid work? And maybe at the end of 90 days, we'll value Like, do you enjoy doing paid writing work too? Exactly. Yeah. What if it's like you get paid to write, but it's like writing about dildos and like, (laughs) (laughs) like whatever, you know, and just like, I got paid to do that, but I enjoy doing it. Right. And that's also the other thing is after 90 days and maybe even during the 90 days, you kind of realize this kind of sucks. Yeah. And I think it's okay to especially if it's like a new thing. Yeah, you want to go into that hobby with as much gusto as possible and give it enough time to really see if you're going to enjoy it or not. But if after 90 days you decide, this is not for me, then that's fine. You got to move on to something else. Yeah. You can't drag it out. Except for you and golf. We are going to be golfing for the rest of our lives, whether you enjoy it or not. (laughs) Sorry. No, no, no. 90-day sprints. 90-day sprints. That's it. No, no. 90-day sprints for the rest of our lives. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is a 90-year sprint, whether you like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening to this really long episode today. But 
we had week-long lapses, so it kind of makes up for for the missing episodes. Yeah, I had to catch up. Oh, one last thing. Please reach out if you have any questions or thoughts, if you have any advice. You know, we're not experts at this. <laughs> you can clearly hear. <laughs> we're working on our way. I, I think by the 200th episode, we're going to have some like really good psychologists or like therapists on the show that we're going to interview. We're going to learn more as things progress. We'll definitely get better and quicker at diagnosing and, uh, <laughs> and helping work through some of our, our challenges with better frameworks or some kind of system. But thank you for kind of joining along on this journey with us. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening. And um, now that we're both back, we look forward to seeing you next week.